Hey, welcome back to She Can Talk, the podcast with your host, Colleen, a.k.a. Gongly MC, if you're looking for my music on Instagram, or Colleen Eat Wings, if you want to figure out what I've been eating as far as what flavors my wings been these lately. So um, you can go up there on Colleen Eat Wings and check that out. So yeah, if not, you just want to stream with me on a podcast, tune in every Wednesday's new episodes drop in on She Can Talk, streaming everywhere podcasts are available. All right. And thank you all for tuning in. So let's get right into it. It's episode five. And um, this episode, as you can see from the title before you probably clicked on it, it is my Lovecraft predictions slash what have I predicted thus far part two really says my Lovecraft predictions part two, but you feel me. I had to throw that extra in there for you, but, um, okay. So I promised myself that I was not going to be like blow by blow every episode and, um, like be talking about this. I was going to do a beginning, like, and it really wasn't the beginning. I watched a couple episodes and I was like, you know, I like this. When I started my podcast is I'm going to talk about it while it's still in motion, while the show is still playing or going on, the season hasn't ended. And I said, I'll probably do one after this season ends, but I cannot lie to you guys. The season ends next week. We're nine episodes in and I listened to my own prediction episode, which is season was episode two, excuse me, of my podcast. She can talk episode two, which is my Lovecraft theories. Uh, I listened to that again and I was spot on with a lot of my predictions and I want to come back and revise or kind of like refresh you all's memories about some of my predictions just in case some of them come through in the season finale. Plus I wanted to throw some extras in it before the season finale pop off and before other people try to get to their predictions. I wanted to throw mine out there to, Hey, this is what I think. Alrighty, here we go. So first what I wanted to do is go into what happened thus far? What did I predict thus far and what has happened or where I was off or, you know, did I miss the mark altogether? So one of my biggest ones, I'm going to say that one for last because I was so excited about that one, but I'm going to go down the list. So, um, let's see here. Okay. So one of the things that has happened thus far, which I was saying about Ruby Baptiste, I said, Ruby looks like she would have become an ally for Christina. And it looks like, you know, she may or may not like what had happened when Christina was William. Cause we all by now should know if it's not, I saw, I'm sorry guys for the spoiler alert, but we already know that situation was twisted and they have some really heavy sex scenes, Ruby and William. OMG. So I just want to speak on that for a little bit. Okay. So I said that I think that she was going to become Christina's ally. It looks like I'm right. It looks like she's over there living with Christina. It looks like she's using her as her refuge. That's like her safe haven. And she's been keeping secrets of her own that she hasn't been sharing with her sister or the rest of the crew on the other side of town. Like as far as like Hillary Davenport, her alter ego white lady that she turns into and all that stuff. So now we're up to episode nine by now, you know, I don't still want to spoil it for all of my listeners that have not watched the show because it's still a great opportunity to binge it, especially like, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, the weather's changing. It's going to be more people like cozied up at home, wanting to binge watch something, 
put Lovecraft theories on your list. You will not be disappointed. Okay. So I got it out the way. Ruby Baptiste. I already said, I felt like she was going to be an ally and it looks like I was right. She is an ally for Christina. Okay. So another one of my theories that I said was that Montreux knows something. So you saw how He's always been spot on with like giving directions of where things can be located, where things can be found. He knows the whole history. And I say, I feel like he knows something else. So, you know, they mix it in with his sexuality of being gay and like his previous years of child abuse from his father. So you just feel like, oh, he's a broken man. But I feel like it's something else, you know, like it's still something else that we haven't touched, you know, so colossal and i have been going back and forth and he was hit one of his theories is he feels like montrose would be the one that would be sacrificed in tick's place like he'll go in and maybe get some of that serum that will turn him into someone else and he'll turn into you know um tick and take the sacrifice so that's one of the theories that i'm going to throw out there from hubby that he was like okay i think that might pop off for the season finale because i don't really feel like tick would get killed especially if they're going to do a season two and i pray they do a season two like this show is so good that i'm almost worried for them about a season two because they're gonna have to definitely top season one oh my goodness that's a Oh my goodness. But, um, yeah. So if they don't kill him off or whatever per se, then I'm thinking that's why, because they want to do a season two and I'm praying and rooting HBO. If you're listening, I know I'm not the only one season two, please. Okay. So Ruby Baptiste ally for Christina Montrose. I feel like he knows something else. So let me go to expand. Let me expand on that. So one of the theories that we might have is like, maybe he might sacrifice himself to save tick. I can definitely see that also because, mind blowing. I was completely right that, um, tick time traveled and saved his dad. And he was the guy with the bat. It was just too many clues to let me feel like that's, it has to be him. Like, why isn't it not him? So I was correct. There was him. So with that being said, I said, okay, maybe Montrose knew, or maybe at some point in his life, he's come to the conclusion of who the guy it with the baseball bat was and maybe the abuse that he gave tick was to prepare him because he kind of knew he was going to have to come back and deal with Tulsa in some kind of way and maybe it's surreal for him that it's really happening what he either was told from someone or seen somewhere previously and that's probably like the extra knowledge he knows I could be wrong but I feel like it's something like that because I was I was a hundred percent right about it was tick that saved his father and his uncle and his mother from the mob in Tulsa with the bat he's a mysterious man just walked up and said I got your kid I was like that's tick because tick says the line too much he talks about that story too much he dreams about it in this weird dream at the very first opening scene of season of episode one scene one that's his dream so it lets me know like okay that was tick but it also makes me feel like now that I'm I was right about that being tick makes me feel like maybe Montrose knows something about that like he also he already already know he knows about everything because he took them on a scavenger hunt to get the, the um um Titus's pages and he took them you know all these different places like he's always connected to someone that knows something they kidnapped him and had him at the um castle suppose it's not even Montrose oh my god but anyway that's another story but I feel like he's there connected some kind of way that he kind of knows more than um like say even tick went into the future per se but i think he even went into the future some kind of way and figured it out beforehand and it just like traumatized him further 
and now that it's really happening, it's surreal for him. So that's what I feel about Montrose. I'm not going to spend 80 hours on Montrose, but that's my theory. I can really go on and on. We have one episode left, so I'm, I'm so hyped to see what happens there. Um, another one of the theories that happened. Okay, so like I said, we have one episode left, but I did see the previews. It looks like they did go back to Artem. I know the whole autumnal ceremony or autumnal seasoning thing where they're supposed to sacrifice Tick for the immortal situation for Christina. That's supposed to happen back at Autumn in Boston in Massachusetts. And you can see at the preview, they were on the bridge. So that leads me back to the town people. That's one of my theories that we have not seen yet, but we did see the gargoyle like figure come and save tick when the police were trying to kill him so we know that they're still out there but we're now back in artem where i feel like those town people are those gargoyles that that protects christina and a you know worker her command on the whistle so that leads me to another theory too just to kind of all round it all out i'm a little nervous about letty's pregnancy i'm going to tell you why because the whole virginal thing still was like questionable to me just the way like even though tree we came to the conclusion he was lying about sleeping with her just before that she seemed more sexual like a woman of of the world versus a virgin so it seems like when she cried right after she had the um intercourse with tick i don't think it was a cry like oh my god he took my virginity i think it was a cry like oh my god i can't believe i'm doing this which segues me into my other theory about letty so we all know Letty Ruby Ruby and her brother Marvin, they all three of them do not have the same father. They had the same mother, and I believe Ruby and Marvin have the same father, but Letty has her own father. Apparently, as you can see, she's light skinned, she looks mixed, the rest of them are black, like like hundred percent black kids. So I feel like it's a possibility her father who she always emphasizes that she's Letitia Effin Lewis. And me remember, um, Ruby made a, a, a big statement saying like, you don't use mama last name. So it makes me feel like she's close to her dad, but we don't know who it is. Suppose this whole time she's working for the good of her dad, who is another sons of Adam member from another lodge. And she came in to get tick because they also know that tick is the blood, the last air blood. And maybe in the process of it all, she fell in love with him. But the reason why I say this is because of two things. From episode one, when I got chased, we got, you know, I, I come back to town. I see Tick. I said, okay, give me a ride. I hop in the car with him. And then he take me on his adventure. And I go into, and I'm just talking like Colleen. Like if this was Colleen, she can talk in the car with Tick. I get pulled over by the police and all this other stuff. And then the guard girls come out. Then I wake up. I lose my memory. All that stuff happened. I get shot. I come back to life. All this stuff happens. There's no more naivete. There's no more me being naive in this situation. Meaning that I'm not going to be like, I don't understand the ghost. And do you think that it is? And why are we having the same dream? No, you should be fully aware and fully alert like tick. Like you should be knowing what's happening and you should be well alert like she has her moments like when her house was haunted and she was trying to get them out she knew what to do and she was right on it and remember he said to her where did you know to get this lady from and she was like my mother was a hustler and she just kind of brushed it off on her mother but she never talks about her father whose name she proudly wears and makes it a known make you know who's her like her last name which ruby also made it a point of us knowing that you don't even have mother's last name you don't even use mother's last name what are you doing here okay so 
I'm starting to question Letty and her being. I hope I'm not right because, you know, I kind of like the romance between them, even though I can't lie. I like the romance between Tick and Jiha, except for the whole foxtails thing. If Jiha was just like a regular girl, I would have loved him see him bring her back from Korea and they worked that whole situation out, which is something that used to always happen back around those times. A lot of black men went to the Korean War, married Korean women, brought them back homes, had beautiful families. So, you know, I've seen that. So I could see where that story would have been the definite obvious storyline for that, but they made her the foxtails craziness, and I understand. But that segues me into my theory about Jiha. I don't feel like we just, we're done with her. The way she just came in, it was quiet. You know, she didn't wild out or nothing. She didn't go off the deep end. She didn't even go off about how she loves him. She just sat there and took it in. But I almost felt like she knew it more, but she didn't want to say it in front of Letty because maybe she knows what's really happening and she's here to save Tick or help Tick because she know who really is out to get him. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But why I'm just feeling this energy after I watched this, like, I don't know. Because she said, she, you know, put it this way. Montrose is not the only one doing underhanded things behind Tick's back, like to try and get this situation. Tick is working for the greater good of saving his family. And it seems like his family is working against him. So you see in one moment, um, Montrose is burning papers and burning books and misleading the situation when he's trying to figure out what's going on, killing the lady because she could translate the pages and he just killed her. You know, he did everything to stop it. Then you got Letty now who's like, okay, here's Titus's pages and gives them straight to Christina. So like if we need to sacrifice him and that's all you needed was these papers, here's the key to that lock. She just gave it over to Christina to quote unquote protect him but Christina was like no I'll protect you and she thought about it and then she's like you know what yeah protect me and she got the protection now I know on the up front and up and up you're gonna be like well duh it only makes sense she's pregnant why not protect her and I agree with that but I just feel like it's just something underlying because her naiveness is she's too naive at the wrong times like you had a whole same dream about you know running out the house burning up the same way he did and you're like why how did that happen how are we having the same dream and you're being naive and she's just being too naive about things to make me feel like she knows more than what she's leading on to so that's my theory on letty and i hope i'm wrong because okay before i get off for those two so this is my theory too, because he went into the future. He's seen it and he didn't say to her, you know, she's pregnant and he, you know, we don't really know what he's seen in the future, which I would love to see what Tick did in the future. And where did he go? Because I noticed when he came back, even though he was still, you know, wound up with Montrose, he came back a little bit more calm and a little bit more understanding towards Montrose. So maybe he's seen something that kind of gave him insight into that because he said, you know, did you ever cheat on mom? And it wasn't like, it's like almost like he was accepting the fact that he knew it wasn't his father, but you are my father, whatever the case may be, which if you watch this most recent episode, my statement would make sense about, you know, I think he kind of knew already though. After he went to the future and came back. Another thing is he knows he has a son. He said they gave him the book, pushed him out. So he didn't really meet the son. He just got the book with the picture of the son on it. So I looked at the picture of the son and I'm like, okay, it's a, a young black man. But then I was also saying like, you know, 
just because the boy is black doesn't mean his mother can't be Korean. Jihad, listen to me now. Suppose that, you know, Christina is warped up and and mixed up with the sons of Adam or whatever, and her baby is like some sacrificial baby to get his blood, but it ends up being one of those things that we saw Christina randomly pull out the cow and we never seen again. I'm just saying, suppose it's something like she tried it on a cow, it worked, now she's using it on a human, and she used Letty. Because think about just a couple of things, how when they first got to the mansion, and William, and I'm going to say William to not spoil it for anyone else, but when William was escorting them to breakfast, and when he got to the table, and she said something like, um, aren't you the butler? And he was like, no, I'm a friend of Christina's. Like, But he was looking her up and down. And I, I even said and pointed out to Colossal, like, damn, he's sizing her up. Like, he want to see some, you know what I'm saying? The way William was sizing up Letty. And if any of y'all don't think I'm talking about, go back to that scene. I think it's like episode two. That's where she's all dressed up. You know, like she's about to go play a polo match. And they go to breakfast. And William walks them out to breakfast. And they when they're out in the garden, and he's standing next to her, and he's sizing her up. And he's looking her up and down. So my thing is this. If her father is not a part of the Sons of Adam situation. Okay. Which is my first theory. I'm holding on to that because I feel like her father has something mysterious about him too. But if that's not the theory that they go with. I think that maybe Christina and William was sizing Letty up for their next you know, project of birth. Like they, maybe they started out with a cat and then maybe they went to a cow and now they want to go to a human. You get where I'm going with that? So maybe that's not the baby that grew to be the author that, um, tick scene in the future. I don't know why I feel like that. And they're all like, it's the baby, it's the baby. They're like, they're so, there's just so much attention around this baby. Like she's not even showing yet. You know what I'm saying? And there's so much attention around it. It makes me feel like that's not the baby. That's not where the baby's coming from. I would not be surprised if for some weird reason, um, Jiha went back to her like voodoo lady in Korea and met either fulfilled her, her quota of the hundred kill, or she did something else and got the spell and came back human but she has some other type of spell because I was like, well, Jihad just left. But wh- who's to say that wasn't Jihad that showed up to protect Tick when the police was shooting, flipped into another animal. So there's just so many different ways I can go with this. Like, and I know we all probably sitting there like, oh my God. So we really all have to just wait until next week. I know I do. Cause I'm like, oh my God, but I'm just playing all of this over and around in my head. Like, you know, it, it's so many different ways it can go, but one of my far-fetched theories is that, yeah, that Christina did something when she killed and resurrected um, Letty. And then, you know, so happened that she was able to get pregnant afterwards. And then, you know, after she had sex with Tick, of course, it's Tick's baby. Or maybe it was something to capture some of Tick's blood. But it's going to be some type of extraterrestrial being, embryo going on. And then... On the flip side, Jihad's going to come to the rescue, save him some type of weird way, and then that's going to be the one who has the baby for him. I don't know. Just the fact that she was like, we'll name him George and all this other stuff. You know, like, okay, it's so obvious that's the baby. So I'm going to stick with the the script right now and say what they have so far, you know, I can't 
say that's not the truth because I'm watching it and that's obviously what's happening. But my theory is, especially as we get down to this last episode, is suppose it's not. Like, suppose it's a plot twist because I feel like something, just, just the way Lovecraft theories of Lovecraft Country is set up, just the way Lovecraft Country is set up from one episode to the next, you don't know what to expect. So I expect a big plot twist for this season finale. I'm not even going to lie to you or say otherwise. So, um, where were we at? So that was my combo deal of my Jiha and Luddy theories there. I told you that tick, I was right with the baseball bong, the townspeople. I think those are the gargoyles. I don't know as of yet. So we'll see you on this last episode because they are going back to Artem, uncle George. So it was great to see them young, and to kind of see the backstory that Uncle George, even though to me, finding out that, you know, the true father or whatever the case may be, it just added more confusion and more questions for me. Like, is like so how did this happen? Like, how did you allow, like, I understand y'all grew together, but how did you end up married? You know, there's still questions there. So I need that to get cleared up for me a little bit more. I understand it like, oh, you know, it's love and family. You're my son regardless. Like, I needed you to be my son. And I understand that for his sake because he didn't want to, you know, face the world as a gay man. I understand that. But my thing is this, how did your, your brother allow that? And that's his son. He has to look at every day. But anyway, but that brings me to uncle George. I feel like we're going to see uncle George again. I feel like Arithia blue or Hippolyta, or, you know, she's going to do her thing and we're going to see uncle George back. I don't know. Something's going to pop off. Maybe even when they get back to autumn, uncle George might be at autumn. Like the castle's built back up. Nigga, I'm here. Like we're going to see uncle George again. I have a feeling of that. I don't know why. I just feel like it was just really whack the way they killed him. And you know, they, everyone just talks about him. Like you hear about him every episode though. So, you know, and then she's seen him in the alternate world and she was able to like hang out with him again and, and see her husband again, Hippolyta. So it makes me feel like I feel like she's a little bit more powerful. She could bring her man back if she wants to. She's about to get her daughter right. So that's what I feel about Uncle George. He's going to come back. And then what else? Um, let's see here. Okay, so to kind of go back around. In my Lovecraft theories episode, I said about, to piggyback on Tick with the Baseball bat, as being the one that saved his kids. I was like, I hope it's not mixed up in some kind of way with like a gay memory. Like, I hope he's not the baseball player he had a crush on in some kind of weird way or something like that. So thank God that wasn't the case, but I was close. It definitely had to do with one of his first loves as well, because right before Tick came up to save them, he was, you know, basically telling his first boyfriend that they can't be friends because of, you know, the situation and because of, you know, the times they can't, it can't, it's not going to happen. So I was right though. I felt like it was mixed up. Like his trauma is definitely mixed up with his sexuality and his son. And I feel like even with that, I feel like the son, he feels like he's supposed to be my kid because he knew in some kind of way that he was supposed to protect him or he was the one that protected him ever since he was a little boy. So imagine that that's crazy. So I would be messed up like Montrose. Like if you put that in perspective, why would he not be messed up and drinking every day? Cause it's surreal. I really feel like it's coming. His story's kind of unfolding now. Like what we didn't know, the mysteriousness about it. Cause like I said, it was so obvious the way, Oh, he's gay. So it's not that because that was just so thrown out there. Which, like, okay, just I'm trying to say, that's a theme and it's just a constant hint of the show that I've noticed. Like, 
they throw things out there for you. It's just really a matter of you paying attention to it. You know, like really and truly, they throw things out there, which is why I say Letty's father, we're going to see him or something because they mentioned it several times. Like she was like, oh, forget my, excuse my rude sister. She gets that from her father and emphasize like they had different fathers. Then, um, Ruby was like, oh, you don't even use mom's last name, you know? And then she keeps on emphasizing her name, Lewis, 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 who is Lewis? So we need to find that out. Like who is her dad? So, um, that's another thing that keeps on being like brought up, but sort of like subliminally. So, which makes me feel like uncle George is, is going to come back because they talk about uncle George. If, let me tell you, they talk about him so much. They should probably just resurrect him, you know, because they talk about him like he's not dead. So I feel like we're going to see uncle George again. Um, and the boy crush. So I was right with, you know, mixing it. It wasn't on, um, tick. Thank God. But, you know, cause I was like, that's incest. That'd be disgusting. But, um, he did have a boy crush and it happened all at the same moment when at the end of that moment, he thought he was about to die. Tick came and saved him. So you can definitely see how, you know, he's, you know, Montrose is a big mess. Like he's going through it. I definitely see that there. Um, okay. So Christina, um, so I have a couple of theories about Christina. First of all, I feel like she is the villain. hundred percent. There's no doubt about it. Villain, villain, villain. There's nothing underlying. The only other thing I could say is like, maybe she wanted people to know that they were related and all these lodges were connected. That's the only thing I could think of. Like, maybe that's another underlying purpose because why, why not? You know? So like, why I understand she wants to go for her immortality and all other stuff. And she has like so many magic tricks that she could live a good life. And she does, but I just feel like, I don't really know her underlying motive other than being immortal. Okay. Immortal. I get it, but it's something else. So, um, another theory about Christina is I feel like maybe she might be semi falling for Ruby a little bit in real life or in their weird twisted life of whatever they got going on in that house. Maybe she started out doing it for, and that's like, I think, you know, maybe might be a theme of the show, the energy, how it changes. Like you started out on one path or you started out with one intention, but then you got derailed some kind of way. So really and truly every episode starts out like, okay, we're going to go down, we're going to go down this road and then you end up in space, <laughs> you know? So like, it's crazy. So I feel like that's a, like the recurring theme of all of the characters. Like they start on one path or they start with one intention and then they get derailed. So for example, with Christina, I feel like she started to use Ruby as a plan B to get to Letty or the Ori that's in the house or whatever. So she ultimately was using her for an attention to gain something. But I think because she was actually down with her sinister stuff and actually enjoying her company or whatever, maybe she might have a little thing for Ruby. Maybe. And maybe she might be actually falling for her beyond the underlying intentions that she originally started out with. That's one of my softer theories for Christina, because some of the things that she did made me feel like, you know, I think like she's trying to tell Ruby that she really does like her, you know, but once again, I could be wrong and I'm okay if I'm wrong, but that's one of my theories about her. And I can apply like that same theory of starting down the road with one intention and then changing over to another to Letty, you know, and, and Jihad, it goes on and on. Like, to Letty because I feel like if it's something there, you know, else like say she has another underlying motive, 
along the way, she fell in love with um, Tick. So I feel about that. And then same thing with Jiha. She ultimately wanted to use him as a hundredth kill so she can get rid of her curse. But then she ended up falling in love with Tick. So she started out on one intention and then was derailed by falling in love. So same thing with um, Uncle George. He started out on his guide trip. That was his intention to go check out a couple of new restaurants and stops for his guide to update the monthly guide. But then he got derailed by going with Tick to Boston to go look for his missing brother, which is Montrose's George's brother and Tick's missing father, which is Montrose. So he started out on his guide trip and then got derailed onto Tick's adventure. Who else? I, I mean, the list goes on. It goes on and on. Like, for example, same thing with Letty. Alleged, well, let's take her out of it because I told you my theories were her or whatever. But with Ruby, Ruby started out obsessed with Marshall Fields. All I want to do is work in Marshall Fields. When she finally went in there and did rid of her resume, really in 2020, I think she would get a decent job. <laughs> like, better than Marshall Fields. People or TJ Maxx would be looking at her like, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, you could be the manager in the back up front or whatever. So, um, I feel like she was overqualified, but she was so focused on it. But then when she got it and then the way she got it as Hillary Davenport, it derailed her and it made her realize like, um, I'm going to go on a different path. And I think her different path, we haven't even begun to see it yet, but I think it's going to be villainous with Christina. And, um, yeah, like, so that's what I think. Even with tick, even with Tick, Tick came originally from Florida, which is another thing because, oh my God, midway through this episode, mind blowing. I just had another thought as I'm talking through it. Another theory just came to me. Suppose Jiha is not the baby's mother. Suppose Letty is not the baby's mother, but suppose it's the girl in the bed with a flashback of when um when Jiha was having sex with Tick and she saw all his memories, she saw his future and she saw him in the bed with the girl having sex and then right after that he got on the bus and went to Chicago from Florida. So there's a girl in Florida. Suppose that's the baby's mother. Ooh. And you see he loves his Uncle George. So he tells everybody about Uncle George. So maybe she named the baby after Uncle George after she found out or heard along the way that Uncle George died. Oh my God, mind blown. I'm going to write that one down too. Suppose Letty is not the baby. Suppose Jiha is not the baby. Suppose the girl in Florida pops up like I'm the baby. Because it is a third girl. If you go back to that episode, Meet Me in Daegu with um, Jiha at the end where she flashes through his past and she flashes through him torturing her friend and removing her teeth, then it stops and then it goes forward. And you see him in Florida in the bed with the girl. Then he gets on the bus and then he goes to you know, town and you see Letty flash and you see him being baptized and he looks like he's dying. So that lets me know that I forgot about that. Letty is not the baby's mother. I just confirmed my own theory there. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I, I just really wanted to give y'all a quick, quick one here because like I said, you know, the season finale is next week and I probably might mess around and have to come back again with it just to say like which theories I got right or whatever after that but that's mind-blowing I forgot about that oh so let me finish my list because I still do have a list here of stuff that I went through 
on my first Lovecraft theories that I'm now going to go through to see which ones were correct. So as I continue down the list, Emmett Teal. I do believe I said um, the character looks very, very much like Emmett Teal. And if I'm not mistaken, that was a nickname of his when, you know, he was growing up was Bobo. So they called the character Bobo and they dressed him just like Emmett Teal to let you know this is the, you know, the character that we're portraying. But in addition to that, what was pretty cool, well, let me take it back. That was not cool at all. It was not cool, was the funeral for Emmett Till. It was powerful, though, because that was definitely before our time, before my time, at least. So you only hear about what you're told or what you read or what you research on your own, which is still in books, you know, like, it's just within the last 20 years we've gotten the internet, let's face it. So before that, it was just like you saw that gruesome picture that when his mother had to hope open casket. And I want to say it was like Jet Magazine had like posted the picture in there. So that's like a historical picture that you'll never forget. And then the picture of him when he was a sweet little boy with his tie, and his hat on, just looking such like, like all the wonder and joy and possibility in his eyes, you know. So they had this character on the show named Bobo. They dressed him just like Emmett Tales and Chicago, same time frame, to let you know that who this character is. So remember a couple episodes back when they was at um, Letty's house and he was doing the seance. They he asked the Ouija board, is my trip down south? Am I going to have fun on my trip down south? And they said no. And then obviously he went on his trip down south. What happened, happened. And then now the mother was having a funeral. And it was like the whole south side of Chicago is going in to, you know, view this little boy and to see what the south did to him for whatever reason, saying that he touched a woman or something. He's like a kid running around playing. But anyway, I digress. So, um, yeah, so the mother opted to have an open casket so everybody could see it. And so you see in this actual opening scene everyone's walking in to see and view his body the damage and um diana because you remember that was d's friend diana and she says what's that smell and ruby's like oh it's one of the hottest days of the year so that just puts into more perspective like central air wasn't popping back then i'm assuming probably was like ac window ac i don't know but it was one of the hottest days of the year. So, and all of the people on the south side, like the whole south side of Chicago was coming to view Emmett Till. So it was hot. It was, you know, the body was being viewed. And I don't know what their embalming practices was in those days. Who knows? But they were smelling his body as well as dealing with the heat. And then people was, you know, gagging and earling from the visual of the damage that happened to him. So for them to capture that realness, that was so crazy. Oh my God. That was moving on so many different levels. It was like, you felt it almost like you felt like you were walking through the line with them. So yeah, I was right. That was Emmett Till. Like I said, you know, they, you know, they loosely based their character cause they didn't say like, this is Emmett Till, you know? So I assume like, okay, they might be loosely based their character on him, but I thought that was once again, significant in telling when he, did the Ouija board and asked me if he was going down south. And I was like, that's Emmett Till. And just the little things. That's what I think about Lovecraft the, um, country. I think the biggest thing about Lovecraft country is we have to pay attention to the small, inuit messages along the way. 
The big ones that are in your face, like, for example, they were like, oh, Montrose is gay. Okay, yeah, Montrose is gay. But what else is going on with Montrose? Like, did he know that his son came back into the past from the future to save him from a mob of white men and he had to grow up with that? Like, I have to have a son and I don't know how this is going to happen because I'm a gay man. Like, you know, it's just deep. It's deep. So I just think about, like, wow, who was in the writing room? And um, who is the tree man? Because this show is off the chain. And um, let me see what else. I'm just going on my list over here. So, yeah, I think I pretty much touched most of it. The whistle, I'm still trying to see if they bring that whistle back out because I just felt like that was too significant. Episode one and two, we heard that whistle and then nothing else again. And then this character that popped up with all the eyes on it and protected. Um, so two things, just the way it allowed him to pet it. And he touched it and it just calmed down. I don't know why I feel like it's GI and it's not one of their spells, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But um, with that, it, he didn't need a whistle for that. He was just able to calm it down. So who's where is that whistle and who's controlling it and does it control the town people? And that's one of my theories that I'm still waiting to see happen. And then I want to see what happens with, um. I told you I got a question mark on Letty right now. So I want to see what happens there. And I feel like that was just too easy. Like, you think I traveled all the way from Korea to Chicago because you called me and I'm just going to be, you're going to tell me like, oh, it's over and I'm out. You ain't see how um, Jiha had her shoes parked outside the door. Like, I'm home. Like, we all going to be a family up in here. So I feel like we're going to see Jiha again. I don't know in what capacity, but, um. It just brings me to another theory, mind-blowing, like the third girl from The Vision. Is that the baby's mother? We'll see. And maybe he knows that. And maybe he knows Letty. Because I don't know. You got to watch the way Tick is moving with Letty right now. I haven't seen him kiss or embrace in the last couple of episodes, ever since he came back from the time to travel. Then maybe he knows something, so he's just still trying to keep it leveraged just to get the mission accomplished. But he knows that that's not the baby or not his baby, and then he knows that the dad would probably, like, try to kill her if he know otherwise. He tried to look like he tried to kill her the other day when she when he found out she put the spell on herself to protect her and not no one else. So it's a couple of things around there that makes me feel like, I feel like Tick is also another person, and he kind of knows more than he's even letting his family know that he knows because probably what he's seeing in the future. So he's like, I got to handle it this way so I can come out on top because these people are going to take me to the bottom. So... We'll see. We got one more episode in. Hey. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait. I want to see what happens. So, you know me. I'm like Lovecraft country nerd right now. So, I probably will be binging the episodes this weekend. (coughs) Excuse me. To come back around and see if I can't predict anything else. But so far, I really, really, really feel like I'm onto something with the Florida baby mama. I don't know. I could be wrong. We'll see. Also, just randomly off topic, and then we'll get back into some Lovecraft theories. But I know I thought about it. I said I wanted to address something real quick, spend like a minute or two on it. I put a post up on um Facebook earlier in the week. Stay in, I don't know, like, you know, kind of like to some it might look like disdain to my old rap group that I was in a few years ago or many years ago. Or it might look like I'm holding or harboring some negative energy. And in fact, it's not. 
And so I just wanted to clear that up. Like no way, you know, that I'm holding or angry or wishing negative energy on anyone. I'm spreading love to everyone and good cheer to everyone. But at the same time, I cannot spread good cheer to everyone if I can't bring good cheer to myself. So I have to kind of like pick and choose what memories I want to have right now. All of them will be there. And I'm just grateful as a person, I'm able to have memories because some people lose their memories and some people can't remember their name. So I'm just grateful that, you know, my health is here and I have my memories, but sometimes memories can be painful or sometimes great memories lead up to the reason why things didn't happen. So it ends up becoming a painful memory. So I just chose not to think about the pain anymore and to think about the love, but at the same time, love myself first by freeing myself of thinking too damn hard if that makes any sense so I think that my post got um misconstrued and I didn't like throw away memorabilia it was more so like throwing away that negative energy burning it out my brain out my mind you know and I ain't gonna lie I was gonna throw some of that shit in the garbage but then I was like nah it's really not shit you worked hard and these are your memories and even after you're gone Someone would look through these and be like, wow, they, who, who are they? And hopefully the story can get told one day. So that's what I wanted to say. I wanted to say thank you to anyone that saw the post and might've thought I was feeling down and out because I really wasn't, but I do appreciate it. I appreciate the love, the support, the caring, the checking in on me. I definitely appreciate all of that. I even appreciate a couple of cousins there that was like, who need to ride on cuz? Oh no, we ain't riding on nobody because it's not that type of energy. It was just more so like. Like I told you, I'm cleaning my house, cleaning my yard, throwing away new stuff, bringing in, um, throwing away old stuff, I should say, bringing in new stuff. And that was just part of the process there too. So I just don't want anyone out there to feel like I'm harboring anything because I'm not. And I kind of, after I reread it, I'm like, this kind of whack. I don't want no one to feel like that's what I'm doing. Because right now, as you all know, I say all the time, we got to spread love and we got to be positive towards one another. So in no shape, form, or fashion, I don't even care if somebody did something to me that we can talk about it. Like, oh, yeah, this one did that or that. I don't really have time to entertain it or engage it as neither should any of you out there because we have bigger fish to fry. Like we have a pandemic that we're in that people are just chilling. Like it's no pandemic. We have, um, unsureness and just to getting back to normalcy and just the way we live. We have, um, you know, just a lot of tension around the politics in this election. We have tension about just finances and the economy. So there's so many other bigger things to worry about than to be worrying about like who don't like me from 20 years ago or who likes me or who rocks with me. I pray you all rock with me because I do. She can talk and I love you all. And I am trying to spread cheer, but that's all I just wanted to say about that. I just didn't want to spend a whole, you know, intense in episode on it, but I just wanted to say thank you to everyone that, um, reached out in any capacity and showed me love and support during my post because it wasn't meant to be like a cry for help, but it wasn't meant to be like a sad or depressing thing at all. It was really just like, ah, freeing myself. I think I, if I'm not mistaken at the end of it, I said, hashtag feeling free, like letting go. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you'll hold on to something. And then every time you think about that, you're going to go back to that negative energy of, of what you held on to. But when you let it go, maybe in a year or two, maybe six months, 
you could come back to that memory and not feel negative towards it. And that's the, the process of life I'm at right now. I'm just trying to let go of anything negative. And when it comes back around, maybe I can appreciate the, the glory and the beauty in it and not and see the positive, you know? So thank you all out there for showing me love. And, I, you know, at the end of the day, it made me feel loved. Like, I, I knew I was loved. I know I'm loved, y'all. But it really made me feel truly loved to see that y'all was like, yo, you know, what's good? What's going on? You got a lot of stuff going on. What is this? And I was like, uh, maybe I should talk and not type because it totally gets misconstrued. So I just wanted to, um, address that elephant in the room before I close it out with some more Lovecraft theories. And I just wanted to get that off my chest real quick. And let us you know, I love all of y'all, all of y'all and real spill, like from my mouth to y'all ears, whoever's listening out here and, Listen close, come in close, come in close, whoever's listening out there. If even at any point in time, I, you, or even not in person on social media or whatever, if I have done something to offend you or done something to make you feel upset, please blame it on my, you know, my mind, not my heart. And I hope I'm saying that right because I do everything with good intentions and it's all love and vice versa. If there's anyone out there that's done something to me, I'm not holding on to it or harboring it. And I send you love because in these times right now, we need to all love the ones we're with, the ones that love us. And we have to love ourselves because you already know how I say it. We can't love each other if we, we can't yeah love each other if we don't love ourselves. So that's what I'm gonna say about that. But I just want to say, one more thing about Lovecraft and my theories and just a whole Lovecraft country before I close this out. Because I am not trying to keep y'all here for 80 minutes like I did last time. I promise. But I just wanted to say this. There was a scene in episode 9. Because episode 9 is called Rewind 1921. I hope I'm saying that correctly. And that's the name of the episode where they basically go back in time to 1921 to the Tulsa Massacre. Where they just, you know annihilate the black town so at that time as we all see throughout the show and that's what i'm telling you once again when they when they say things repetitively throughout the show you know you're gonna see that so anyway throughout the show you see montrose talking about the tulsa massacre you hear really a lot of montrose talking about it but you also hear like just randomly people talking about the history of tulsa blah 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 so they go back to tulsa and during the scene where i guess they were burning the town down and um they were burning down the house that um, Tick's mother grew up in, as well as the house next door, which is where Tick's fathers, or I don't know, or uncles, I don't know, whatever you want to call them, George and Montrose, grew up in. They were burning them down. So, you know, it's a powerful scene watching that scene. Like, I don't want to give it away because I know it's freshly new in case you guys didn't see it. Oh, my God. But it mixed into the scene, just the way they cut it and edit it. They also show the part where you come to the realization that Tick was the mystery man that saved his son. I mean, saved his father and his uncle and his mother from the Tulsa, you know, people attacking them, like the white guys attacking them. And he came out with the baseball bat. So it was like split in between Tick whipping ass and split in between Letty praying with the grandmother in the burning house. And, you know, every episode they have like some form of spoken word, which I love because like I tell you, I feel like right now as a grown woman, I get more black history just watching Lovecraft Country. And I'm not even trying to be funny because every episode, if a person's driving by in a motorcycle, 
That woman's somebody. Go look her up. The guy came in with the dog. That guy is somebody. Look him up. And when you find out these, you know, who the names of these characters are, they're not characters. These are people in history. And then you go look it up. It's so amazing. So Lovecraft did not disappoint this week. They had, um, during that scene that I was just describing where they was cutting back between the house burning and tick whipping ass, saving the kids. You see, um, well you hear Sonia Sanchez catch the fire playing over it. And you can ask Colossal the whole time is playing over. I'm like, Oh my God, this is lit. This is lit. And he's laughing because the houses were burning. Like Tulsa's literally burning in this scene. And I'm talking about this is lit. But I didn't mean it like that, y'all. I did. I meant it like it's so powerful. And I guess in a double entendre, it was lit. Like, oh, my God. You have to hear that poem. That's Actually, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to close the show out with, you know, that poem, Catch the Fire. I have been looking, I have to be honest, and I have been looking for the actual version that was on Lovecraft because I've heard this poem before, but I've heard it with like no music. I've heard her like performing it live, like on a recording. Like I have never seen her live. Personally, I would have loved to because Sonia Sanchez is an awesome poet, awesome activist. But um, I am familiar with her work and I am familiar with that poem in particular. But to hear it over the music that they was playing it over and then the scene that it was basically narrating over it was just I can't I can't lie it moved me to tears I BS you not I'm not one of those people that watch stuff and cry or watch things in like I can't lie I might watch something if it jump out at me I might jump but I'm not really like a, an emotional person when I watch movies and I'm not a crier but this wasn't even like a romantic scene it wasn't even like a, it was sad but it wasn't like the saddest of scenes that we might may have seen on the show so far, but it was truly a moving scene because you felt like you were there. Like, cause this is history. And that's the thing. Like, that's the thing that, um, I like about Lovecraft. It circles it right back to the black history. So even if you're liking the sci-fi and you're liking the, you know, the space culture or the futurism or the Futurama, whatever's going on, the horror, it's still giving you a little bit of black history every episode. So if you guys don't watch it for nothing else, please check it out because it's just amazing. It's just so amazing. But Sonia Sanchez, Catch the Fire, that's the poem that was so, like, the standout performance for me this episode was when um, every episode they have one, like, Why Do You on the Moon was on episode two. Then he had, um, I can't think of the poem last week's poem where the little girl was like, we need to protect our black daughters and our black girls. And that was a poem from a young activist poet from 2018. I think it was actually like a speech, but from 2018. So they use like so much relevant things. And then when you see it over visuals from 1942 or whatever, it just makes it that much more impactful because you know what it lets me know? You know, as much as they say has changed, a lot hasn't. And I'll just leave it at that. But I'm going to end it out there because I am getting close to an hour, even though I said I wasn't going to do an hour. But, um, yeah, so I'm going to end it there. I'm going to end it with Sonia Sanchez, Catch the Fire. That's definitely going to be the poem for tonight or for this week's episode. And She Can Talk, the podcast, episode five. And when I started this, like almost a month and a half ago, I was really just freestyling it. Like, yeah, do 30 minutes. Now I have so much fun doing this and I have so much fun that you guys are 
in tune and coming back for more and interacting with me. Shout out to everyone that hit me up on the DM on Instagram, on Clean Eat Wings, on Gongly MC, either or. I appreciate it. Thank you for all of the followers. I must say, please, 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 wherever you follow. Right now, I know I got a lot of followers on Podbeam, a lot of followers on Spotify, as well as Apple. Please follow. Please, you know, because this way you're going to get all of the notifications. New episodes come up every Wednesday. So this way you'll get all the notifications by following it, whatever your channel of choice is, whatever your streaming platform you prefer, follow it. Also, please, please, please share, share that you followed it. Hey, check out this new podcast because that way we'll get like the algorithms working and we can get more people tuning in and, you know, get some more stuff going on. So all I ask is that if you like it, tell a friend. If you don't like it, tell a friend. You can't go wrong either way. Stay safe. Stay clean. We are not out of this pandemic yet, guys. So wear your mask, wash your hands, keep your hands out your face, all that stuff. I'm not playing with y'all. I'm serious about that. And like I told you midway through this episode, love yourself because you can't love me if you can't love yourself. All right. Now y'all stay blessed. She can talk the podcast and I'll talk to y'all next week. Hey, peace. Sometimes I wonder what to say to you now in the soft afternoon air as you hold us all in a single death. I say, where is your fire? I say, where is your fire? You got to find it and pass it on. You got to find it and pass it on from you to me, from me to her, from her to him, from the son to the father, from the brother to the sister, from the daughter to the mother, from the mother to the child. I say, where is your fire? I say, where is your fire? Can't you smell it coming out of our past? The fire of living, not dying. The fire of loving, not killing. The fire of blackness, not gangster shadows. Where is our beautiful fire that gave light to the world? The fire of pyramids. The fire that burned through the holes of slave ships and made us breathe. The fire that made guts into chitlins. The fire that took rhythms and made jazz. The fire of sit-ins and marches that made us jump boundaries and barriers. The fire that took street talk and sounds and made writers in tech raps. Where is your fire? The torch of life full of Nzinga and Nat Turner and Garvey and Du Bois and Fannie Lou Hamer and Martin and Malcolm and Mandela. Sister, 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 brother, 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 come, 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 catch your fire, don't kill, hold your fire, don't kill, learn your fire, don't kill, be the fire, don't kill, catch the fire, and burn with eyes that see our souls I got you, walking, singing, yeah, building, mm-hmm, laughing, <laughs> learning, yes, loving, yes, teaching, mm-hmm, being, hey, 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 young, young, young brother, hey, 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 young, 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 young sister, here.